Hey everybody, this is Matt Sparaza. Just a quick announcement before our episode begins. My co-host, Father Sam Kachuba, is doing a two-minute daily gospel reflection for Veritas Catholic Network. It's available on the radio at 1350 AM, 103.9 FM, or if you're out of range, it's available on our Instagram, the tangent underscore Catholic. It's a very quick and easy way to get your daily dose of the gospel. I encourage you to look it up. If you'd like to further support The Tangent, consider liking and subscribing on your preferred platform. Consider looking us up on Instagram at thetangent underscore Catholic or even donating at veritascatholic.com. We appreciate all the help. Enjoy the show. Matthew, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. That's awesome. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit just before we get into any kind of topic. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. are you? What's, what's happening? What are you doing? So I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh right now. Okay. Um, my the berg. I'm in the berg. I'm in the big bad berg. Black and yellow. <laughs> Did you know that Pittsburgh is the only city that every major sports team they has have have, have this has the same colors? I did know that. You yes. might have been the one who told me that. I probably was. Yeah. But. <laughs> but so I'm in the Berg. Okay. I drove to Steubenville today because I'm taking a class on the Gospel of John. Nice. Um, appropriately titled the Gospel of John. Um, you know, where do they get these creative sounding names? Yeah. It's just amazing. And uh, I, okay. I arrived. And it was canceled <laughs> immediately. Yeah, I was a Dominican sister stopped me outside the class and was like, "Was like I have sisters in this class and they're not here." Okay. And I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, thanks." And I hey. think I think my professor like so I went to bed last night at like eleven because the the drive is like forty five minutes. So mm-hmm. I knew I was gonna have to get up at like. I got up at like 6.15-ish, which is which is like pretty normal, you know, work day. But I'm on summer vacation mode as a teacher and new parent mode. And so 6.15 is like the bane of my existence right now. Sure, yeah. Um, And I just didn't check. <laughs> so I drove all the way there, fa- like walked up to the classroom, found out from someone not in my class <laughs> that the class was canceled and and like just turned around and i hit the chapel and i and i re- i went to the bookstore they got an awesome bookstore that's good uh, okay and and a so bunch it wasn't of a total waste it wasn't a total waste yeah. um but i was like this is so funny i love it i i had like i had literally like set a prayer in the bathroom before going to class like on my way to the class i was like lord you take care of me here and then I showed up in the classroom, and it and it was just no one was there. Just emptiness. <laughs> oh man. So w- what kind of class? It's a it's a an intensive, like a summer intensive. You're there. Yeah. For so how it's long? three weeks. Okay. It's three weeks. It's three hours a day, um, with the exception of July Fourth. Um, mm-hmm. And now it'll be a. So it's it's typically Monday through Friday, but now there will either be a Saturday class or a morning afternoon class. You know, double up. Because gotcha. he didn't just cancel class. He just delayed it, basically. Um, and it is a three-week intensive. I'm really excited about it. The 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 sister that I, I that you know broke the news to me, um, she said that she has worked with, and I believe this is, I'm pronouncing his name right, Mikael Waldenstein. Okay. Um, 
she said that he he changed the way that she it was either he changed the way or he taught her how period to read the gospels oh nice and okay. so that's super exciting because i know that this is going to trickle into the way i approach scripture as a whole and it, it like kind of already has you know like just from reading the commentary that is the textbook yeah um so that's pretty i'm sweet. with you yeah that's, that's great i love the you opportunity. went somewhere didn't you I am. I just got back from Catholic Heart Work Camp. Right. Can you uh, so tell me I've about been, that? I can. Yeah, I've been working with Catholic Heart Work Camp for the last twelve years or so. It feels like I'm not really sure. I, I guess I met Catholic Heart the first year, like three months after. Not even three months after I was ordained. Um, right. Okay. Okay. I was I was ordained a priest and uh, assigned to uh, well to St. Pius the Tenth Parish in Fairfield, Connecticut. Actually, um, were you really? Was, yeah. <laughs> No way. Yeah. I didn't I was, know that. So I'm I am pastor of my first assignment actually. That's which is cool. A, an interesting thing, yeah. So I was Does I was it ordained. typically go that way? No, no, not at all. Uh I'm <laughs> it just kind of happened for me this way. So I was ordained um was assigned to St. Pius for the summer because I was going back to school. Uh went sure. back to school and then was reassigned to St. Pius. And then I was transferred. I was in Greenwich and Stamford. That's where I met you when I was chaplain right. at Trinity Catholic and then right. I was made pastor at St. Pius. So like with the exception of what four years of my priesthood, everything has been here wow. at St. Pius, which is wow. pretty wild. I yeah. mean, when yeah. the Lord wants you somewhere, huh? Exactly. So I, uh, I was assigned here for the summer, uh, right after I was ordained, and the parochial vicar, who is now the vicar general of the diocese, uh, mm -hmm. Monsignor Monsignor Canali, uh, he was working with the youth group at the time, and he called me from his doctor's office. He had injured his shoulder and. Uh, the doctor told him, you can't lift anything. I don't want you, you can't, like, you can't do anything. He's like, well, I'm supposed to be going on this mission trip with my high school kids. And he's like, yeah, you're not going on that. So <laughs> he called me from the doctor's office and said, can you uh, go on this trip with the kids? I said, sure. When, when, when does it start? He goes, um, Sunday. And it was Friday. <laughs> right, so he's right. calling me on a Friday telling me on Sunday I've got to get on a bus with 40 teenagers who I've never met and drive to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Wow. So that was my first experience with Catholic Heart Work Camp. Okay. And then when I was reassigned to St. Pius, they had, by then, it was a, a pretty well-established thing. So for 20 years, right. we've been taking kids uh, every summer for a week of service with Catholic Heart Work Camp. So when I came back as parochial vicar, it was already an established thing that we did. And so I just continued it working with the youth. And uh, after one of our trips, the office from Catholic Artwork Camp called me and asked me if I would serve as a chaplain at one of their camps. And wow. they, they, the camp that we took our kids to was at the time, it was in Massachusetts. And they said, if we make this uh, what's called a next level camp that has a chaplain every day, mass every morning for the kids, they said, would you, would you consider being our chaplain? So I said, yes. And so in 2012, I, I started serving as a chaplain with Catholic Heart, and I've been doing it ever since. And it's honestly, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year uh, to right, watch sure. these high school students go out and serve and just to see the stuff that they do and, and the way that they come alive in their faith. But then it's, you know, they're, they're at work every day. They, they go off and they, they serve the poor. They serve people who are in need. And then they come back and in the afternoon, we have a whole program set up for them where they get adoration. They get a chance for confession. Uh, they have talks, there's videos, there's games. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's it's, awesome. it's a lot of really good things. Yeah. Did so you it's, have it's to always get a permission experience. to become the chaplain? No. So, cause I, I, I go along with my youth group. Um, so right, it's not so an official, it's, it's not an official thing. It's I'm, right. I'm assisting them for a week. Um, right. so as long as I'm taking my own time. Right. And it's your, <laughs> and, and it's through not, your like, parish. 
Right. Exactly. Uh, so what I'm doing, like I'm, I'm with the kids from my parish. Um, right. I'm, I'm serving with them. This is something I would be doing. I would be with the kids from my parish, no matter what for their right. mission trip. Right. Uh, all, all I'm doing is stepping into a slightly extra role. I also right. served this year, uh, as the director of the camp that we went to, um, so serving okay, as, what is, as Cat- so what does that mean? Yeah, so Catholic Heart has its its home base in Orlando. I would actually I want to get my friend Kelly to come on and talk to us about Catholic Heart one day. Yeah, that'd be great. Because um, I, I really think it's a it's a fun organization. They do a lot of good stuff. Um so they have their, their home office in Orlando and then they organize these camps all over the country. So at any given week, from basically the beginning of June to the end of July, there are four or five different camps happening around the country. Uh, and so with these different camps taking place, they have a staff of about eight people, eight or nine people who go out and they, these college students and immediate post-college, they go out and they serve and they, they kind of run the camp. Every camp then has somebody who is local, who's the manager, who arranges all of the different work sites where the kids are going to go to serve. Uh, so uh, nursing homes, uh, soup kitchens, social service agencies, individual residences where people need need service, need some kind of help. Uh, So the local manager takes care of all of that. And then they have their their staff that travels around uh, to each camp. Um, So they go on a a five or six week tour and they hit these different cities uh, Mm. over the course of the summer. And then you have a director and the director is kind of the Catholic heart rep for the entire, for the camp. So the director Mm. helps to coordinate with with the manager, the director helps to coordinate with the staff and do all that stuff. So because I've been a chaplain with them for so long and uh, they had some some needs, they, they asked if I would ever be willing to step into the director role in addition to being the chaplain. And I said, yes, if they needed it, I could. And uh, well, it turns out they, they needed it this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so well, I was, did they ask you last year. Uh, no, last year they, they didn't really need it, but it was interesting because right. last year I was chaplain. They They were able to put a camp together here in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Oh wow! Okay. Which was really cool. Yeah, so it was at St. Joe's, uh, St. Joe's was high up school in Monroe, in, in Trumbull. Oh, in Trumbull. Yeah. And so, since I'm an alum, and I know a lot of the people there, I at the at the time, Father Silva uh, was mm-hmm. he was the chaplain there. He was living with me, uh, so there was an easy. It, it was easy for me to kind of step into some some stuff that normally the director would handle. Like, right. if there's questions from the school or from people who work for the school about what you're right. doing, that normally gets referred to the director. But in this case, since I was far more local than the director was and I knew right. all the people, I was kind of taking some of those questions on and dealing with some of right. that stuff. So You were like a quasi-director. Well. Exactly, exactly. Because right. um, in my head, I was imagining this as a situation where they were like, hey, would you ever be a director? And you said, yeah, if, if you need it. And they said, great, we need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's kind, that's a little bit how it went. And it, it's all good. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I found out as, as the director that I am apparently what's called a no rules director. Um, oh. Some of the directors have like set things that they really want and they, they do things a certain way. And I'm like, I think you guys know what you're doing. Go for it. And right. Right. <laughs> basically, if anything had to be like any decisions had to be like there was one. Uh, there was one of the games that they were supposed to do in the evening mm-hmm. um, for the program. And the way that the game flowed, they said the previous week, it just didn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was just kind of slow and it dragged and it wasn't that much fun. I'm like, we don't like this game. Father, w- what do we do? I said, you don't like it? No. Sorry, then it's gone. Forget it. We're not doing that game. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I just like, I just cut a game we out. Play, and... We play games no, yeah. that aren't fun here. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just kind of, it was, it was cool. Anyway, so right. I had a really good week um, serving down there. And 
we were in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing was being down there, I was also able to get my parents to come by. Um, got to spend some oh, time with sweet. them. Got to spend some time with my brother and his fiance. So a lot of a lot of nice things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was good. That's it real good. cool. It was a good time. And then uh, came back, and of course, like you hit the ground running. I came back uh, to a funeral, and then weekend masses. Our farewell to Father Silva as he moves on to his new assignment, hmm. and then Where's vacation. He going? Uh, he's going to be at St. Rose in Newtown. Okay. Um, and then vacation Bible school launched this week. Oh my goodness! At my parish, and so Let that is something. a hoot. VBS fun time. So much fun. So if yeah. we've got like it looks to me, I'm trying to count how many kids there are in the room. I mean, it looks to me like we've got 30 or 40 kids. Wow. Um, like this is only the second time we've ever run a VBS. Right. So it's still it's still kind of a, on the small yeah. scale. But like yeah, hopefully yeah. it's gonna it's gonna grow. But this kid comes up to me. He's like, Father Sam, look what I have. And he holds up a leg and he's holding this leg and I'm looking at him, what the, I said, is that, is that Woody's leg? So he's got like a, a toy from Toy Story, Woody, right, yeah, right? Yeah. and it's just a leg with a boot on it and that's it. He's doesn't like the rest of Woody, I have no idea where he is, but he's right, like, look what right. I have. I said, is that, is that Woody's leg? He goes, yeah. I'm like, why do you have that? He goes, I don't know. Right. <laughs> he's just got... A leg, because because why not? Because, because it's vacation Bible well, school. The rest of Woody, and, you know, he's he's gone. So yeah, like if you're not bringing just a random severed doll leg to to VBS, then then right. what are you doing, right? Yeah, <laughs> VBS is kind of like it's kind of like a children's retreat. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I I mean I I, I mean my my experience with retreats is is limited, um, but as a young adult. Like they, they, one of the big portions of the young adult retreats I've been on was the building of camaraderie, mm-hmm. you know? Now, obviously as a kid, it's like you, they couldn't articulate we're building camaraderie for you. You know what I mean? But like, but it's, it's like all game, all game. There's Jesus. Yep. All game, all game. By the way, here's Jesus. You know, it's like real undercover. Um, but that's kind of like, that, that sounds a lot like Catholic work, work camp, you know? Well, it, that's exactly it. Like, if you want to give people an opportunity to encounter Jesus, there's there's the retreat model. Let's take a weekend, so get there Friday night, and we're going to go right into retreat mode where there's going to mm-hmm. be prayer, talks, a lot of that stuff, and that works. That works in a really powerful way. But there's yeah. there's another way that's not just retreat, right? And so at Catholic Heart, we start with mass every morning, mm-hmm. and then from mass the kids go to work. They're serving and they're side by side in that service and they're, they're getting to know their resident. They're getting to know each other a little bit better. A lot of times what, what's happening now at Catholic Heart is the, the kids stay in the group that they came with. Mm-hmm. Uh, once upon a time, they'd get mixed up into other groups as well. So like if right. I was from one parish, I might be in a, in a work group that had kids from four or five other parishes. So right. you're getting to know people from other places, which is also a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, and, and also a good thing to see like the faith belongs to others as well. Yeah, exactly. You start you to know, realize it's that like, we're, it's bigger than I'm my not little alone. world. Exactly. We, we had them do this year. Um, when they when they come, typically they arrive and they're wearing like their youth group t shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody everybody matches with the group that they came in. Right. And so you kind of identify everybody by the by the color t shirt that they're wearing. Uh, but then we give we gave them a t shirt at the end, and I said, "What? Why doesn't everybody wear this on Friday at the closing mass?" 
Mm-hmm. So all the kids are wearing the same shirt at the end of the at the end of the week. Right. So you came. You're all part of your own groups. So you're all doing right. your own thing. And now thing. you're leaving. Everybody's part of the same group. Exactly. Like we've That's all nice. done something together. It was cool. But you're right. You build that camaraderie, that side by side work. Yeah. And that can open the door for a lot of other things to say. All right. We've seen how we, how we serve, but now let's let's talk about how this is something that's related to our faith. And so the faith part becomes the, the avenue that lets you step into some other things. So like we went from, this one always blows me away on Tuesday night at Catholic heart work camp. You go from dance party, which is just like 30 minutes of utter insanity and great pounding music and light shows and all that stuff. Yeah. And the kids are going completely bonkers. We go from that into adoration of the blessed sacrament. (laughs) Now that transition, man, let me tell you, it is a hard transition. Is this where, let me ask you a question. Is this where you met Jeremy Rodriguez? This is where I met Jeremy Rodriguez. Yes. Right. Okay. Cause I, in, in that episode, right. You give the story about how he, he, you know, was playing for them and he spoke directly to them. But he like yeah. jumped up on a speaker or something and spoke yeah. to them, and it calmed them down, right? It came, and and is it is this what they came from? They came from the dance party. That particular night, no, that's not what it was. Okay, but right. <laughs> like, yeah, you're trying to you're trying to transition them from these these high. How do you manage things. that? It's it's a it's a gift, um, and fortunately, it's not something that I really have to do a whole lot of. Right. The, okay. the transition, like, so before adoration, I the chaplain gives a talk. So I get to come out and give a talk about adoration. But before that happens, there's a whole transition period where we're kind of trying to bring them down from the utter insanity that is the dance party. Right, um, yeah. And then there's there's lots of other times where we're trying to get them like high energy. We want Because we want it to be right. fun. The whole the whole goal is right. that this I is mean, something that's enjoyable. But right. then you also want them to, to be able to step into something that's prayerful and serious. And so yeah. just kind of helping them to like realize, yeah, we're, we're having a fun time. All right, now it's time for us to shift into this other space. Yeah. To to move into this uh, into this other spot here. And that's actually one of the really beautiful things cuz you need that throughout your life. Mhm. Like it's not only with with young people. This isn't just a thing that you do like to manipulate high school students. Right. This is right. <laughs> just playing with the moods. It's it this this is something that would be beneficial for you throughout your life like I need sometimes those high energy moments. I need something that's going to grab my attention and keep me moving. But then I also need a chance to like settle down. I need a chance to, to move into a place where I'm quieter because like we're not meant for adrenaline all the time. No. And, and it's funny. I mean, cause what I'm thinking about right now is I'm going back and I'm saying, you know, I probably was wrong to say that VBS was like a retreat, but in a sense, right? Retreats do have those moments, right? Where you where you try and make it high energy. Because yeah. you have to. You're right. You have to. If if you if retreats are exclusively pensive, it's like you're gonna fall asleep. Yeah. You know? You you need you, something that gives you that gives you the, the little oomph, the little inspiration, the little like yeah. let's get up and go. And when Does you make that it something happen on priestly retreats? Uh, obviously that's the thing it's like obviously it's not a dance party <laughs> yeah although that would be there's, hilarious there's there's wild, typically it seems a like it'd be wildly inappropriate but it'd be funny it would be wildly inappropriate yes very good yes i'm glad you glad you recognize that yeah no, like yeah, a, yeah. a priest retreat is going to have depending on the type of retreat that it is so th- right. this is the other thing th- there's different types of retreats you have if something's charismatic right there's a reason gonna... there's a reason charismatic is also a way to describe exciting things. Yeah. 
you know you might have you might have a retreat that's more charismatic uh you might have a retreat that's geared more towards healing mm-hmm. um like i went on a, a healing retreat for priests a couple years ago uh yeah. with the john paul ii healing center down in florida yeah yeah dr bob shooks and sister miriam james Hydland and everything and we had like three straight days of it was it was pretty intense and right. with the exception of meals where they said and it was a, kind of an odd experience for me because most of my retreats that I make, I make in solitude at a monastery in total right. silence. So going to this retreat and like some of the other priest retreats that I've been to are preached retreats. So there's a mm-hmm. retreat master who's giving talks and then the rest of the time you're in silence. So you sit down at meals and you're in silence for the meal. Um, the idea being that you're really just focused on what's happening during the retreat. Right. But this one, we didn't have silence at meals. Uh, mm-hmm. And so while the the prayer was very intense, uh, mealtime, we had a chance to talk to each other. And so it was a little bit more social, which I was mean, kind certainly of that was intentional. It was. Yeah. Break and the break the tension. Well, yeah, the, the intention was that the, the type of stuff that's happening during this retreat and the types of exercises that we're doing spiritually are, are of a, such an intensity that you need a little break. Yeah. But they actually took one night and they're like, we're we're actually leaving. We're going to, we're going to step away from the retreat center tonight and we're going to, we're going to go do something fun. Wow. And so they took us to a go-kart track. That's awesome. And so there's 20 priests (laughs) go-karting. It was insane. That's awesome. So much fun. It was, it was hilarious because we're the only people there. Right. And are you all in your collars too or no? Like about half and half. That's awesome. It was it was so much fun. It was so good, uh, and it was such a good way to like to break up the, right. the retreat. Because right. again, yeah, like we need that time that's really serious. We need that time that's really dedicated and focused. But not every retreat experience is going to be quite the same. So, like, if I was doing my one of my monastery retreats, mm-hmm. you know, where I need that solitude, I need that silence. Like, <laughs> right. I don't, and then, I don't and then they bring you to the go kart track. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. want that. Right. But the intensity of this particular retreat was like, actually, that little break was helpful. And right. it was way more helpful than I anticipated it being. Um, so yeah, we take the kids like. A, I mean, a I can. I've read some Bob Shoots books, right? He's, so just just having read his books, it's like you're you're gone after like a chapter. You know what I mean? Let alone let alone spending a time being guided through the prayer. Yeah, you need to you stop know? and breathe a little bit. And yeah, like, it's like it takes your like feet back two on the hours ground. to read, and then you're like, okay, I need to go and do literally anything that doesn't require <laughs> exactly. thought. Exactly. Yeah. And so driving go-karts around and, and like, you know, competing with each other was, was fun. But yeah. take something like a VBS. Well, all right. If we priests are theoretically mature, I, I don't know <laughs> that we actually are, but let's just, let's just suppose right. for the sake of argument that right. like we have a brain that functions in a certain way and we're able to like handle big, serious topics and everything. Right. Well, you don't, you don't expect kids between the ages of four and 12 to be able no. to handle those big, serious topics. But- no. We should never think that children at that age are incapable of entering into a relationship with God. Yeah. So these kids can, they can experience something of the gospel. They can understand what, what the gospel is about. They can learn their Bible stories. Mm-hmm. They can learn their prayers, but they can't learn it with the same kind of intensity. So you, you, you modify something to be age appropriate for them. And so what do the kids need? They need a couple hours each day. It's mm-hmm. it's nine to noon. It's not like this is a, a long camp or anything like right, that. Right, right, right. And, and what are we doing? We're going over some Bible stories, but we're also giving them a chance to run around, to play games, and then they get a popsicle at the end of the day. Oh, honestly, like, that sounds like a great day now. <laughs> what is better? What could be better than that? They get to sing some songs. They I get, get to, to play read some the games. Bible, play kickball, and then eat a popsicle at the end. 
Exactly. And the great thing is, so we've got a music teacher who's, who's helping us. And so she's got a song that she does with the kids. There's a little dance that goes along with it. So they've got some hand motions and nice. stuff and the kids get really into it. Then they go to their, their individual age group things where they've got their games by the end of the week, what these kids are doing is they're like, they're, they're singing the song. They've, they've got this one thing that they've, that they've memorized. Um, and then they're going to have Bible verses that they've memorized. But all along the way, they also met new people. Mm-hmm. They made friends for, at, the, at Bible camp. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen is from the first time that we did it, there were kids who were in the same group together at the VBS who still see each other at church and always say hi to each other. Wow. Great. And it, these are little kids, right? But they've, yeah, they've got it. the community from the, from the ground up. Yeah. So the same thing happens with Catholic Heart Work Camp. Uh, you get these these high school students to come. They they do some service, but along the way, they've also got these other activities that like allow them to have a good time. Right. But when when they're having fun, when when they feel like themselves, mm-hmm. that also opens them up. When you say, "Hey, let's let's talk about something serious," they feel safe that they can that right. they can have these serious conversations. And so, right. like Tuesday night, you put them in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Give give them Jesus, and I'm I'm amazed every year. This this blows me away at Catholic Heart. We we do adoration, and that time spent in adoration is so incredible. Like right. consistently, what I hear from people, what I hear back is that adoration was one of the most powerful things they've experienced. Right, and for a lot of them, it's the first experience they have of being in right. front of Jesus in adoration. Right. They've right. been to mass a thousand times. They've they've gone to communion right. many times, but they've not. They've not encountered Jesus in that particular way. Right. So they also have the chance to experience things that they're familiar with in a new way. Mm-hmm. And that that changes things up. Then figure it's just the time spent with other people. So like you were saying before, they start to realize that they're part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. So these kids now have a, a stronger bond with one another. So like when you actually finally start this class, uh, <laughs> I know it was canceled today, but when you finally start this class, you're going to yeah. be with people who you don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. But in three weeks, you're going to spend three hours a day with these people. Right. Think, think of what that's going to do for, for you right. in relationship to your classmates. And, and it is interesting because I, on my, on my, to, to maybe bring it full circle too, you know, I, on my drive home, realized that it I, I was thinking of steubenville as like an oasis you know like that's what franciscan feels like it feels now mm-hmm. granted the only time i've ever been uh, the campus prior to today was for a conference so it was for a retreat like thing you know um but i do i do think that internally i have built this image of franciscan that is like that is like a perennial retreat basically it's a permanent retreat house you know, yeah. where also you happen to get a degree. Um, <laughs> and so I do think that, you know, that's how I'm looking at it. And I suppose that, but that the interesting thing is, right, I suppose that I will build camaraderie with my, my classmates. However, I think my classmates will primarily be clerics and religious, which I wasn't expecting. Um, and I, I, now I'm, I'm saying that and I could totally be wrong, but I'm saying that because when I was walking to class today, the only individuals I saw that were students in the three week intensive summer courses were either priests or nuns. I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure I was the only lay person on their way to class. Okay. Um, which is weird for me 
because I've never taken a class with a priest as a classmate, as a peer, you know? Right, right. Um, nor a religious as a peer. Um, so I'm not even sure how, how I'll react to that. I can certainly see myself feeling intimidated, <laughs> being like, you can do things I can't do. Um, anyway, uh, but but in the past for retreats, I remember there was this retreat in college I went to and everyone, every like it was like the Catholic Nashville retreat to do if you were a college student, you know what I mean? And I finally got around to it and it was awesome. It was so cool, you know, and everybody, you, you were in your group of like 11, 12 people and everyone was like, oh, we're a family, you know? <laughs> also, I'm sorry to anyone listening that had to hear me make that voice in potentially <laughs> headphones, you know, right? It's great. But, but you know what I mean? And then like, I did not talk to them more than one more time or two more times, you know, sure. once or twice, one might say. Um, so I do think that it's, it, it's, it's a different like, again, to draw the comparison for VBS to a, to an adult retreat, there is that massive difference. And it's good that you're building the community, but it makes me wonder about what, because the, the big thing for the Nashville one was that we weren't all from the same parish, yeah. you know, as an adult, like you weren't really from the same parish, you know? And even the group that I was in, I think I was the only individual in my group from my school, right? So mm. maybe it had been different, if there was another Belmont student there in my group that I'm growing tight with, you know? So would you ever consider um, being a retreat master for your own parish? That's a, that's a great question. See, I think the, the advantage of the advantage of something like, like Catholic art work camp or even a retreat that you, mm -hmm. that you take students to um, like, think of like the seek conference that focus. Yeah, sure. Uh, Typically, people go to those as part of a group. Right. You are retreating. Yeah. You. You. But you're. You are there with a group of people, yeah, and they're, yeah, yeah. you're. You're doing the same thing, but you're also going home with that same group. Right. So it's people that you're familiar with. Whereas if if you have an opportunity to go on a retreat and you choose to go on your own, mm. you kind of have to go in understanding that uh, there's nobody from my parish, from my school, from my family, whatever you want to say. Uh, I'm going in as a stranger. And I don't know anybody on this retreat. I'll either make friends with people, and that'll be the start of a new friendship, a new spiritual relationship with people that they can support me and help me. Or I'll be going on this retreat and then going home, and I'll have to find that follow up and that support that I need. Right. So I think, like the key coming off of a, a VBS or coming off of a, a Catholic Heart Work Camp or any youth retreat that you take kids to, uh, anything like a Steubenville conference. Uh, or a seek conference, any of those things is like to have some kind of follow up to remind everybody hey, you're part of this and, and you're part of something that's that's really good. So a retreat for my own parish, um, I would say the answer is yes and no. For example, with our youth ministry, we've done retreats in the past, um, and and doing the retreat, it, it works. Like we're going to take care of this retreat for for our own high school students. Is that like, I mean, because I went on a retreat for my confirmation. Mm -hmm. Is that what you mean? Something like that? Uh, confirmation retreats, it, it kind of depends. I'm I'm not super sold on confirmation retreats, to be totally honest. Okay. Um, 
I think that they can be. I think they can be good, and I think Father Joseph Gill would disagree with me. Okay, um, I'd be happy to debate this with him on Restless or on this show, wherever <laughs> he wants to on. do it. Um, I'll defeat him. We'll channel uh, no. our inner Matt Flat. <laughs> no. Did you hear what I just said? You said Matt I said, Flag. I said Matt Flad. <laughs> Flad. Matthew Frad. Yeah, yeah. Matt Fred, Matt Fred, Pints with Aquinas. Uh, I can't do a good Australian accent right now. Don't. Yeah, that was anyway, terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. It was terrible. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I, I I think that I I mean it when I say that Father Joseph Gill and I would probably disagree on this, um, but I I have found that a, a lot of confirmation retreats try to do too much. Okay, and so they can be kind such of such as. They try to cram too many things into too short amount of uh, an amount of time, and so okay. they end up doing nothing really well. Um, right, sure. Honestly, I think the same is true for a lot of our high school class retreats. Do you remember in, when you were in high school and we had our retreat did days? We, did we have guys? a retreat? Yeah. See, see what I mean. See what an impact it made. Wow, I didn't. You even don't even know. remember it. Yeah, we had I don't retreat days, it. but it was hard because it was like when you say days, do you mean like? Like I had a retreat as a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. I only know that you had a retreat your junior year and your senior year because those are the years that I was with you. Right. And I don't remember either one. Did. Yeah. Yeah. I remember and going to confession though in the I gymnasium. Want to, I want you to know that I'm not insulted that you don't remember those <laughs> retreats. I understand yeah. why you don't remember that. Okay. Okay. Uh, because it's it's hard. Like high school students at a Catholic high school, they show up for their for their school day, and then right. you load them on a bus, you take them somewhere. Oh my gosh, we left? Yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. Wow. I mean, take them off campus to a place and they have their retreat day and then they're gone by 1 p.m. because you've got to drive back to the to the school so that everybody can go home and, and get on their okay. bus. So you've got this very short window of time. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of different things. And you're trying to do a bunch of different things. You're trying to get them this talk, that talk. You're trying to cover this topic. You're trying to give them a chance for prayer. There's a lot that happens. And and trying to make that all work, is, is it's a really tricky balance to strike. Yeah. And I think the same thing happens with a lot of our confirmation retreats where the, uh, the, the balance that we're trying to strike isn't quite, it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Like there's more that needs to be done. Um, and then it, to me, the best way for a retreat to happen, the best, the best youth retreats are, are when you can have an overnight. Sure. At, at and, least one and overnight. And to corroborate that, the yeah. March for Life trip is always pretty impactful, I think. Yeah. For a well, lot of students, figure you you step away from your from your normal routine, and you're overnight somewhere, and and that means that there's there's an opportunity for some some more serious discussion, mm-hmm. um, but there's also an opportunity to to like for the the students to see each other at at a different time, uh, yeah. and and in a different way. Plus, nighttime conversations are always just more like intimate. I think. Yeah, but if you're maybe if that's you the wrong that word. You're you're looser. No, but there's in in the proper sense of intimacy. You're right. There, there's a, a more intimate atmosphere in that. Like, all right, late at night, you're thinking about different things. You're, you're talking about yeah. things differently, especially if the day has led you through these different conversations. And so, some yeah. of those important conversations can can happen in a way that they can't when you've got like three hours and we're on a time crunch and we're we're really keeping the schedule here. <laughs> it's so, three hours and we have to play kickball. Yeah, exactly. Because we got to give them something fun. Right. <laughs> when we have done here at the parish, when we've done like a youth retreat, and we take the kids someplace, it's it's always over the course of a weekend. Um, 
and and it can be really fruitful. Mm-hmm. But I think if if it was uh, going going to be like a parish based retreat, something that we're doing here, um, I think I would want to step back. Actually, I'd want to bring somebody. So else you'd bring in. someone in. Yeah, right. and the reason for that is that they hear me every day. Right. They hear me every Sunday. They know what my Boring. voice sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it though like they're tired of me they don't need me again and right i, I don't that's not an insult to no, my no i know what you mean like, i know what you like mean they that's... they know me they love me but they need they need something to get changed up and yeah. not for nothing like if i get I, you know i could do this strategically just to like to be egotistical i'm going to get somebody who's a lousy speaker to come in and give the retreat so they're <laughs> like thank god father sam's back talking because i'm so right. tired of this guy oh he was terrible oh my gosh <laughs> But then the other thing that happens, and, and I've, I've seen this, I've witnessed this. I had uh, Father Luke Joseph Layton from the CFRs come. Okay. So Father Luke, he and I met years and years ago when, when we were both in seminary and uh, reconnected several years back. It was great to, to like meet up with him again. And uh, so he came in and gave some parish missions. And it was amazing because he started talking during one, I, I can't remember the exact topic, but he said something that I have said a thousand times in homilies. Okay. And... As he said it, I remember just this this wave of peace hitting me, mm. and it was it was like Jesus telling me this thing that you've been trying to tell them, they're going to get it now because he said it. Wow! And I was like, I've said it so many times, but the peace that I was feeling was the sense of it's not up to me to tell them this, right? And they they know it, but now it's going to take root because it's being it's something that's now been repeated by somebody else. Right. It's now been said by somebody who's not you and they need to hear it from somebody else. And so it was this this real confidence that that God was speaking, that God was moving through this other priest. That's cool. And so I think for for a parish retreat, I would much rather have somebody else come in than do it myself. That's cool. I mean, and and it's so I want to go two places because I want to ask about I'm telling you now so I don't forget. I want to ask about how often you think adults should go on a retreat lay adults should go on a retreat but before i do that um it's pretty cool that this other priest you said i think you said his name was father luke i don't remember the yeah, last name you father said luke because i have terrible attention span. father luke cfr that's all you need okay so father luke cfr right kefir um i'm the worst uh <laughs> so he he came in he repeats the thing that you say over and over and over again and it hits home but that's kind of the idea of vacation bible school (laughs) which is that kids are growing up in families where ideally you know ideally the parents are saying something you know what i mean ideally you're getting raised in the faith or it doesn't have to be vacation bible school it could be catholic work work camp you know what i mean you're you're in a family you belong to a parish that ideally is saying this you know but then you go to someone else and they say it, and because they said it, and it's not the person, it's kind of like the experience. I mean, this happened to me all the time growing up, much to my mother's chagrin, which is that she would tell me to do something, and then I'd be like, no. And then someone else would be like, you should do this. And I'd be like, that's a that's a great idea. That's brilliant. Why didn't I that's think a, of that? And she would be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you yeah. joking? Which, which, you know, you and your unmatched wisdom had the opposite reaction of, Lord, thank you for this peace. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely well, not trying to rip into my mom here. But no, no. but do you know what it I was, mean? It was a different reason, right? So right. At this at this point in my life, I'm like, oh, I, I understood what was happening. Whereas right. but I've I've had the same experience of of, 
my mother or my father telling me, hey, you should do this. Right. And thinking, no, I don't feel like it. And then having somebody else tell me the same thing and some other adult figure in my life offering this idea suddenly makes me go, yeah, that's a great idea. Why, right. why exactly. didn't I think of that? You know? and and I'm, it's I'm, like, I'm willing to do it. And it's just, yeah. you've got a blind spot. And sometimes that blind spot is not intentional. It could be your parent as a kid, you know, but it could also be your parish yeah. priest as an adult. Yeah. You think know? about so, the different ways that we learn, right? So we learn by, by repetition. Mm-hmm. So a lot of rote learning, it's memorization, and you just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating mm-hmm. it until you have it. Uh, right. So there's there's rote memorization that that's one way of, of learning something. We also have, uh, like, some people learn really well in a classroom setting with yeah. a lecture. Some people learn really well by by doing exercises. Um, right. Or discussions or yeah, whatever. They'll, they'll talk about, like, kinesthetic knowledge where uh, yeah. learning something and associating certain movements with it uh, yeah. helps you to... to internalize all that information and and what does a school day mostly look like there's there's a mix of memorization and right, there's yeah. a mix of uh lecture there's a mix of of exercises things that you have to do and then mm-hmm. there's recess there's that chance to just to just get out yeah we learn in all these different ways so if, if you take a look at like a catechetical year for a parish uh during the school year they have catechesis so the kids are coming for religious ed they're getting their class time and mm-hmm. then in the summertime, they have VBS. Well, VBS isn't going to say anything different than what they learned in religious ed, mm-hmm. but it's going to give it to them in a different way. Sure. And so over the course of a couple hours a day for a week, these kids come in and they're hearing lessons about their faith in a different way than what they heard right. in, in religious ed. Right. And then different kids way with get, different people. Yeah. And then kids get past that religious ed time and they, they start going to their youth ministry. And all that youth ministry is doing, especially if you're using something like Life Teen, Life Teen mm-hmm. does so much good stuff with talking about the, the faith, giving, giving content, like really good, meaty, solid content for, cool. for passing on. I've never faith, heard right? of Life Teen. Life Teen's really good. It's, it's, I think Life Teen's the best youth ministry uh, organization in the country. So Life Teen and Steubenville partner for all their Steubenville youth conferences. Oh, really? In the okay. summer. Yeah. Uh, and so you get something like like Life Teen where they're providing you with, with this good information, but it's in a different context. So you'll have kids right. who are showing up for Life Teen events for, for the, the Life Nights and for, for youth ministry stuff, and they've gone through religious ed. They've yeah. heard all this stuff before, but now they're hearing it in a new way, delivered in a different context, uh, maybe delivered with a different emphasis or with yeah. a, a different voice, but they're hearing it in a con- again. The context is what has changed the most. Um, or you have kids who go to Catholic school and they're in a Catholic high school, and so they might be getting yeah. this as part of their regular curriculum. But when it's part of your regular curriculum, you're learning yeah, it for the sake class. of a grade. Exactly. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, I've got to do well in this. I've got to study this because it I need really the grade. is a double edged sword. Yeah, it can be. Now they might be internalizing it. They might be getting it in a really good way, but right. they need something else. And so when they go to youth ministry, when they participate in Life Teen or whatever their youth group is, they get something about their faith in a different way. Right. Then take them to experience adoration. Yeah, and you exactly. can give them you Absolutely. can give them everything about transubstantiation and what happens when the priest right. says the words of consecration. You can tell them all the facts about the Eucharist, but at a certain point, you have to put them in front of Jesus in the Eucharist. Yes, at some and point, then, it's got to go from the head to the heart. Yeah, and that's the place where the experience teaches them the most important lesson. Right. But then it's from the experience that they go, I want to know more. I want to understand more. And so that's what helps them to hit the books. That's what helps them to study the scriptures. That's what helps them to take whatever the next step needs to be. Yeah. So it's all of doesn't, these things kind of like coming together powerfully. And and doesn't um, John Henry Newman, doesn't he speak of two kinds of ascent? 
I don't know. I, I don't know if you'll know this. And, this and like, I couldn't. Are we talking to scent of the mind, a scent of the will? Or, 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 I, th- I think that's about? what it is. So it's, it's uh, the way that I have internalized it. And, and unfortunately, I, I could be incorrect, is that there is an ascent that you give, which is, I know, which is an ascent <laughs> all the time. No. So, uh, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there is an ascent that you give with your mind. And it's, that's good, but it's kind of like you're not all in yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the ascent of the mind transcends to the ascent of the will when it travels down from the head to the heart. And now you're in, you know? Yeah. Now you're in and you're ready to go. And I think, and I think, and by all means, if you're listening and I am incorrect, you email me and you correct me. Um, I think it is, it had to do with, with John Henry Newman with, with Mary. I think he gave the ascent Right when it comes okay. to Mary with his he- with with the will, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, with 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 his head, in the sense that it was an ascent of of knowledge, but then at some point it became personal. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean um, that makes sense. If it's if it's not John Henry Newman, it should be. How's that? Right. Fair uh, enough. Right. It sounds like the kind of thing he would write, and and it's true. There's there's a certain amount of stuff that we can learn. It's right. like I know this to be factual, but I don't fully right. understand it. I, I haven't gotten to that to that point yet. So I, I want to know more. That was the the gospel this this Sunday, right? It was um about uh, there's nothing that is concealed that will not be revealed. Sure. Like there are things we don't fully understand but God's going to show them to us eventually. And along the way, we'll, we'll come to understand these truths of the faith in a different way. We'll come to understand them in a deeper way. We'll, we'll be able to, to dive deeper. So, Right, yeah, and that's, that I mean, that's, the, that's the human way. Yeah. The human way is step by step as opposed to all at once. So that, that tracks completely. Yeah. Are nice. you familiar, well done, Are, are you familiar with Uncrustables? You wouldn't be because you're allergic to peanuts, but... I am a familiar um, with Uncrustables. So but you know what they are, right? I, I know what they are. Okay, so the Uncrustable is not natural. Um, let's let's say that first, right? <laughs> Meaning, um, like it, it is, doesn't grow out of the ground. Well, it, the, that for sure, um, and it's laden with preservatives, right? Sure, okay. And uh, so the the staff of Catholic Heart Work Camp has a long standing tradition uh, called the Uncrustable Challenge. Uh, awesome. Where, I can't wherein wait. Uh, the staff will will attempt to eat as many Uncrustables as possible over the course of a day. <gasps> Beautiful. And each each team will kind of set out its own parameters for how many hours is included there. Is it like over the course of the, the day, so we're ending by a certain time, or is it over right. the course of like a 24-hour period? Is it over the course of the whole week, whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, these these wonderful young men and women who are part of the Catholic Art Work Camp staff, Team 3, decided to challenge me and invite me into the, the Uncrustable Challenge. And okay. I am not as young as I used to be. When I started out with Catholic Art Work Camp, I was a priest in my in my mid twenties. Right. You yeah. know, I could, I could handle myself. I could do stuff. And so the uncrustable <laughs> challenge was like, yeah, I'm in and I could compete. Well, these kids now, they're <laughs> children to compete. me. These, these young men are, are coming in. Yeah. Oh, very much a sport. And they're like, come on, let's, let's, let's go. Said, All right. Well, I've, I've got to jump in. So really quickly, I got up to like my three uncrustables and I'm starting to feel it now. Uh, and, and not in a good, a good way. Right. And, and one of the guys who's got like seven uncrustables piled in front of him, throws one at me and he goes, come on, father, catch up. I'm like I'm in trouble. I be, like <laughs> right. these these guys. They they're they're still at that age where they can process right. this kind of stuff through their bodies. I am and as everything's well. I, be I okay. am still and there. I am I am not there anymore. So I, I I'm like I gotta slow down. I gotta slow down. And so they they let me in on the secret that that some of the people who participate in this uh, have figured out one an hour 
over the course of the day. That's that's the real way to that's do it. That's the trick. Uh, everybody thinks you got to go. You got to go all in right away, and, right. and you've got to get to everything. Well, if you try to do too much at one time, you right. end up getting discouraged and you give up completely, which is what I, I this did. This was a wonderful I segue. I just Isn't want it great? you to know that fantastic. I gave up real fast on this on this silly little challenge because yeah. uh, I, I went too hard, too fast at the beginning. I tried yeah. to keep up with these boys who could absolutely defeat me. Um, of course. And and so I, I, would just, I was just discouraged. But like if I had used some of my elder wisdom that I have because I am old compared to these young men. If I had just used a little bit of that shrewdness, you know, Jesus tells us to be as as shrewd as serpents, but gentle as doves, right? To be cunning like a fox and everything. Like to to if I had used some of that because I'm old, right? Old age and treachery overcomes youth and skill. Yeah. It's like I should have used that, but I didn't. Right. Instead, I was like, "Yeah, I can do this. I can still like like a like a <laughs> bring it on." Dump. Yeah, I got all excited, all amped up about it, and I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it, oh, and so I, I wasn't able to compete. Well, I'm coming back though, right? I want to come back to this this whole thing about this this idea of like the faith and that that journey from the intellect to the heart. Yeah, uh, that ascent of the mind, the ascent of the will, like. If we sometimes we, we bite off more than we can chew. I know that's a, a food challenge pun, but uh, <laughs> no, but it's a good one. It's a good, it's a one, good one, right? It fits. Sometimes we, we we try to do too much, and then we get discouraged that we're not accomplishing the thing or that we haven't like fully achieved it, and we think, oh, I've I've done something, so we we quit. We just give up on the on the whole process, and there's it doesn't work. It's it's not the way. Right. There's, there's something so much better out there for us. So. And and. And it's funny that you went with food as the example, you know? And I went with the because food that you can't ever eat. I know, it's fantastic. <laughs> You'll never uh, understand, Matt. You'll never it, understand. <laughs> hey, I can have almond butter, okay? I don't I think know, they make the almond butter Uncrustables. No, I mean, unless, we should, we'll figure unless out a recipe. Smuckers has homemade. gone really, really considerate of everybody else. You know? Right, yeah, yeah. You know what the biggest um, challenge with, with the Uncrustable is? All right, so the un- Uncrustables have to be refrigerated. Okay. And if they've been in the fridge for too long or if they've been at like the lowest part of the fridge, they start to crisp the inside starts to crystallize a little bit. So you get these little ice crystals that have formed inside the jelly and the peanut butter. So you bite in and it's a crunchy sandwich, but it's not crunchy because it's crunchy peanut butter. It's right. just a little bit crunchy it's because you're eating ice. ice crystals. <laughs> and so not only are you eating a sandwich that is is so full of sugar and preservatives that it like it starts to make your heart go faster than anything is supposed to go you're also crunching on this thing which is giving your head this like weird experience of it's not supposed to taste like this there's not supposed to be a crunch in this sandwich what's right. happening and so are you telling to panic me that you bit. could oh, replace great. your morning coffee with uncrustables i wouldn't because i'm afraid that i it's now days since this challenge took place and i'm not entirely certain that my digestion has caught up wow so wow. i don't okay. think that replacing okay. morning coffee with an uncrustable is a good idea Right, but okay. I hope that may- maybe Smuckers would like to sponsor us because we've been advertising on this. Would be the funniest the sponsorship in history, <laughs> considering that again, I can't eat it. The tangent is brought to you by Uncrustables. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think this is a great. I think it's a great analogy, right, for fasting. Ironically, right, like if you go, if you go too hard, too fast. You know, you are screwed. 
Like yeah. you're not, you're just not going to sustain that. Well, because you give up, right? Right. You're not going to sustain the pace. There's a guy you know, we should so, actually try to get him on. Um, he wrote the book Eat Fast Feast. Okay. okay. Uh, Jay, I've never I heard of it, but it sounds. It sounds. I want to like say book. it's Jay Williamson. I can't remember though. I'd have to look it up. Anyway, he he writes about this the idea that like if you want to learn how to fast, you're exactly right, Matt. Mm-hmm. You will give up if you try to do an intense fast right away. Right. That's why Ash Wednesday and Good Friday roll around, and like by noon you're in agony. I know because I, I I've know. never I've never eaten before. He's like, why don't you start with intermittent fasting? Right. So fast uh, for a little while every day, um, push back meal times a little bit more, and then you start to grow in, in your discipline, and you mm-hmm. learn how to fast, and then you change your diet a little bit so that you're eating better food at the right times. And, and eat, with eat fast feast, this is a Catholic perspective, yes. It's a he's a Catholic. Okay, yeah, he's, okay, he's a okay. convert. So he he brings in this is it's actually a pretty fascinating thing. He brings in some of the science behind it too. Right. Well, because that's science. what I was going to ask. Because intermittent fi- fasting is like that's like a I mean, I don't know if it's bodybuilding or or what's it called? Trimming? It's, it's is that huge what you in the, what it's it's huge in the you... fitness community, yeah. Right, it's, but it's, it's big in the fitness community. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't sure which direction, but but beautifully, right? The, the Lord takes something that, like I could be doing it for health purposes exclusively, mm-hmm. you know, and could still offer it up. Yeah, because like that's awesome. There can still be a spiritual reason for it. There can still be a spiritual yeah. component to it. This isn't. It's not exclusively yeah. one thing or, or the other. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, to to close back up to uh to what we were saying before as well. Also, close back up is not a phrase. It's not a I'm phrase. Just ba- no, I'm just bad at talking. Um, <laughs> I wasn't suggesting people shouldn't send their He's kids in grad to Catholic school. school. <laughs> I know. I'm in a class with Dominican sisters. That's going to be fun. Are we talking you know? uh, Nashville, Ann Arbor, both? Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor was uh, the the one that I think her name was Saint, Saint, <laughs> hopefully Saint one day, sister, someday. sister Jude, um, something that I forgot because again, poor attention span. Um, sister Jude, something that I forgot. It's very nice to meet you. That's uh <laughs> That's that's the phrase. That's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I've been using the fatherhood excuse a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been like, listen, my kid's five weeks old. I'm getting no sleep. And Renee's yeah. like, anytime Renee's with me, she's like, you did this before. <laughs> stop <laughs> stop blowing my cover. This man. is why I love Renee so much because she will give you no quarter at all. It's like, awesome. You're making your excuses. It's oh, it's because I have a five week old and I'm I'm tired. And she's like, No, you you did this before. You're she's exactly like, like I like, am the one who woke up with him four times last night. It's like fatherhood hasn't changed you. What are you talking about? I love I it. think it has actually. I think it has tremendously. Of course it has, but you know Yeah, that that makes sense though. Um so it's funny because the original pitch for this this particular episode was let's talk about the Gospel of John, but and then we instead, haven't done that at all. Yeah, <laughs> and then instead we spoke about Smuckers. Um, <laughs> so if you had to draw a comparison between Smuckers and if you had to draw a comparison between Uncrustables and the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John. <laughs> I would, what would it be? I think I would I would compare Uncrustables to John six, the bread of life, because there's so many preservatives oh, no. in it that no. you will live forever. I was thinking so my, my mind immediately went to uh like 
somehow, but I, I can't say this about the Gospel of John. That's the problem. But my, my first thought is like Uncrustables are a pre-made peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Great in theory, right? This is a brilliant <laughs> idea in theory. Right. And then I'm going, no, I can't. I can't say that about the Gospel of John because I love the Gospel of John. Yeah, the Gospel and of John is fantastic. To say like, oh, it's just great in theory, but it's actually not that great. No, right, that's not true. Right, right. It's like no, John <sighs> pulled it off splendidly. You want me to connect Uncrustables to the gospel of John. I don't know. I I've don't got know another one. Do that. I've got uh, another one. Um, okay. Let, let's hear the other one. Cause maybe I'll the, come up with something for the first. The other know. one, the other, it's not even a full thought. It would just have to do something with grapes. <laughs> <laughs> grapes in general. My answer is grapes in general. <laughs> See, I feel like the, the uncrustable challenge maybe could be compared to the wedding feast at Cana. This where... is the uncrustable challenge part two. This is what you need to bring back to Catholic work camp next yeah, year. Yeah. So the, the uncrustable gets thrown at me and it's like, eat this father. And, and that's like, you know, Mary saying to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I don't know. I'm trying to come right. up with something. Yeah, here. It's, it's not okay. good. It's not a good one. What's but... your, uh, we could just transition then to what is your, favorite uh you know there are no parables in the gospel of john not really um i know that because i just read that in a commentary way Um, to go yeah um but what is your favorite i don't know either either chapter or story or you know run with it however you please yeah if if i were to sit down and and really want to meditate on the gospel of john um basically from holy thursday night on I would say is my favorite. Um, I mean, which so to be taking, fair, that's about half of it. Yeah. So taking like the high priestly prayer of Jesus in the garden yeah. um, where he's praying okay. for his disciples. Uh, I, I love, I love meditating on that prayer. And I love, I, I love when that's the, the gospel, like during coming up towards Holy week, like getting yeah. you ready for, for really entering into this. Like, this is how Jesus prayed for us. This is how he, he prepared the church. Yeah. And it was, it was Jesus himself interceding at the moment of his passion, yeah, like in the midst of sweating blood, this is what Jesus does. He prays for us in this incredibly powerful way. And then yeah. I love the post-resurrection accounts of the Gospel of John. Sure, oh, what yeah. happens after the? I remember when the first so time powerful. I read those, right? It was I. I had never. I. I don't know. I either. I either just did a poor job reading the first time. You know what I mean? But the, when I say the first time I read them, I mean the first time I understood it. That like, oh my gosh, Peter is sitting with Jesus around a charcoal fire reaffirming three times his love. Right. After at a charcoal fire he negated Jesus three right. times. Exactly. And exactly. it's like, whoa, the 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 you see the poetry. structure. Yeah, you see oh it all coming gosh. together. It's so powerful. So yeah. I always I always like that. Um I think the thing that I struggle with the most with the Gospel of John is the proclamation of the gospel during mass. Okay. So John's gospel in particular, those exact things that I love reading the most, like the high priestly prayer of Jesus, mm-hmm. that one, in, his, his prayer is, I think one of the hardest things to read aloud Wow. because okay. he says things like, uh, I do not pray for them, Father, because they are of the world. I pray for them because they are in the world, just as I am in the world, and you are in the world, and we are in the world together, and they are in me, and I in them, and they in you. And it's just right, like right. You, there's just too many there's there's too there's, many pronouns floating around, and you're trying to figure out who's who and and, and what are we doing. And and the proclamation right. gets gets really like it just gets awkward. Um, but to yeah, sit and you. read it, 
you follow it so much better. I think when you, right, when it's, you read it's it. much, it's profound internally. Yeah, not that, that it's pr- not profound out loud. It's just harder to grasp. Yeah, if if all you're doing is hearing it, yeah, it, it can be harder to follow. If you've got it in front of you and you can read the text itself, it it just yeah. lends itself to a lot of meditation. And that's maybe the other part of the Gospel of John that I like is is not so much a specific passage or specific words. It's that when you sit with the Gospel of John, it, it's inviting you to really think. Yeah, and to to think more. So the narrative that you get in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You know, as the synoptic gospels follow each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the narrative is basically the same. You you know the story, and it's storytelling. So you're getting the basic story. Whereas the Gospel of John does a little bit of both storytelling and philosophizing. Yeah. So it's thrown in first of all actual philosophical language, which is cool, but then it's also like getting into this symbolic language that forces you to really reflect. And if you can sit there and and meditate on Scripture there's something great that's going to happen. Yeah. Meditating on scripture isn't always easy, but the gospel of John forces it. So if you don't yeah. know how to meditate on scripture, yeah. John can actually be a help because sometimes the phrasing, the way that he the way that he writes, the style can be a little bit confusing and so you need to reread it. Well, that teaches you to go back and reread things that you you might have glossed over. It teaches you to go back and read right. when you're any any scripture to go back and read it again and just make sure that you get every word, make sure that you read yeah, and every word and that you read it correctly, right? Right, and it, it is amazing what reading slowly will do. You know, <laughs> yes. like I'm I, as a guy who chronically skims. You know, like reading slowly really does change the game. I know that. Um, so I have a question about the high priestly prayer. Um, and I did my best and failed to not interrupt you. It's, um, it's okay. <laughs> but so in the high priestly prayer, and this was a question I was going to ask my professor today, but then my class got canceled. So I'm going to you. Um, Jesus prays for the unity of the church. Mm-hmm. Jesus is God. Presumably, presumably, presumably. God answers God's prayers. Yeah. Right? Of course, bring that concept that God must answer God's prayers because God wouldn't pray to God, not himself, and you know, right. second person, right? But, but God would not pray to the Father. Jesus would not pray to the Father, and the Father would tell him no explicitly right. because cause the only, the only, um, the only counterexample I could think of is, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but only mm-hmm. only as your will. And it's that qualifier that kind of takes away that that counterexample, which mm-hmm. is that it's like, well, it wasn't the Father's will, right? And, and Jesus had said, let it be your will. But here is a time where Jesus is literally saying, like, basically keep them united, you know? Let them be united. Um, right. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, because maybe I am. Maybe I didn't read it clearly enough. Or, or slowly enough, rather, you know? Well, but I think the, the difference, so when Jesus prays in the garden, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass me by, yet not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. What, what's happening is that's like the culmination of the recapitulation of all of, God, all of Scripture that mm-hmm. Jesus has, has been accomplishing. So Jesus is the new Adam, right? Yeah. And Jesus is fully human and fully divine. 
Yeah. So in 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 the person of the second person of the Blessed Trinity, in the person of God the Son, we have the two natures, his human and his divine nature. So when Jesus prays in the garden, not my will, but yours be done, mm-hmm. he's both fulfilling the prayer that he taught his apostles, the Our Father, thy will be done. Sure. Right? And he is actually submitting the human will to the divine will. Right. So right. His, his human will, which he has a human nature, he has a human will. Right. His human will is perfectly in accord and submitted to divine will. So when right. he says, not my will, but yours be done, what he's doing is he's saying, like, not my human will be done, right. because it's in his humanity right. that he fears right. this. In his divinity, right. he knows he has nothing to fear, right? Right. In his, in his humanity, though, he knows the suffering that's going to come. He knows the pain, he, and he will experience all of that in its fullness. Right. So when he submits himself in that way, what he's doing is he's submitting his human will to the divine will. And so he's showing us, he's redeeming human will. Because what does our human will do? Go back to Adam. And what does Adam do? He chooses to disobey. Yeah, he cowers, He chooses, basically. not your will, but my will be done. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so Scott Hahn has a nice uh, interpretation of that particular passage where uh, Adam fails as a husband. Yeah. Because the devil tricks Eve and Adam doesn't speak up once that entire passage. Right. And right. so Adam, Adam really, like the That's first a... failure, the first sin, yes, Eve consumed the apple obviously obviously it was an the apple. fruit we don't know if it was an apple you know but either no, way was, scott Hahn says that scott Hahn, friend of the show um, yeah so that's right <laughs> um uncle but, scott says yeah. <laughs> that that in, it's in a father who keeps his promises yeah which ironically i got my copy at your parish um nice but for a retreat you didn't run whoa um even better even yeah. better <laughs> yeah but that that idea of the the husband not fulfilling his role. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, so then you you see Jesus submitting his human will to the divine will, so he's he's perfectly he's perfectly doing that. Whereas when Jesus is praying for the unity of his church, he's mm-hmm. expressing the divine will. So part of that prayer, the reason that it's recorded, is, is not just that it's it's how Jesus has prayed for us, it's also how Jesus has in that in that communion that he has with the father right, right. so the the, whole, the the blessed trinity is a perfect communion and in right. that perfect communion there is communication god the father right. eternally loving god the son god the son eternally loving the father right and right. and the holy spirit between them right and what is what is love but but communication in, in that love, they communicate, they speak to one another. And so what we're getting a glimpse of is the inner dialogue of the Trinity, mm. um, which is always in perfect harmony and perfect accord. And so what Jesus is saying is he prays for the unity of the church. What he's really saying is this is, this is the will of God for the church, that the church would be one. And I pray that they may be one. And so this is why in the life of the church, Jesus is saying that I, I pray that they may be one, sure, on earth, but ultimately I pray that they would be one in heaven. So there's a finality to this oneness, to this unity right. of the church that we haven't achieved yet. Right. It's eschatological. Right. And so we're, we're living in the already, but not yet. We're living yeah. in that time where like, we're, yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And that's why, that's why the ecumenical movement exists. That's why there's the, a week of prayer for Christian unity. That's why right. there's, there's a sense that we do have to be together on things. And that's why communion is such a big deal for us. So we're working right. on that. We're working towards that. Um, and while it might not yet exist, and, and everything it might not exist for humans lifetime, is step by step. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's it's we're in that gradual process of becoming. 
We're, we're striving for holiness. We're working towards it. We can only see what's right in front of us or what's behind us. We can't see the like the very distant future. God's vision for for the church, God's vision for us, he, he sees it all perfectly. So when Jesus prays for us in the garden, he says, I pray that they may be one. He sees the final end. He sees the ultimate end that, that we might not see yet. I see. So, so he's praying for the oneness in the eschaton, which we yeah. should be aiming for. But the fact that we are not there yet does not essentially disqualify the church, right? It doesn't like disprove right. anything. No, that that we haven't yet reached the unity that we're intended to have or that we're intended to live in, uh, that the unity of faith that we are supposed to have, that God desires for us, hasn't become our reality yet, doesn't mean that the prayer that Jesus makes hasn't been answered. It means simply mm. that, think of how, what does he do? He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He gives the keys to Peter, who is a man, who is a human, mm -hmm. who is flawed, who denies him three times, right? Right. <laughs> and right. so he entrusts the church to human hands. And so the church, which is going to be that that source and that fountain of, of grace for the world, right. is in our hands, which means that we're imperfect and that we're going to mess it up. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's crazy because... Just to just to flesh out my thoughts a little bit too, which I hope is all right. Um, in okay my head, it. the only thing that I could think was like I was I, to the to the to the unity prayer, right? That's what we call it now. It's the the unity prayer. Yeah. Um, I was like the only way out of it that I was seeing was that the prayer was answered, right? And what it is is that just way less people have the gospel than we think they do. You know what I mean? And right. to an extent, you can take that and make turn that into some kind of uh, appropriate denominationalism, meaning like, I am a Catholic. I believe Catholics have the fullness of truth. There are people who participate in aspects of the truth but don't have the complete thing. And I mm -hmm. think that's fair. But I think it could also become an unhealthy thing, which I think you see in things like set of a contism where it's like, hey, those those five churches over there, they've got it everyone else has been tricked you know what i mean like yeah there's, there's also just like people i think there's there's a certain amount of like spiritual pride that comes with that which right. is like right. i i want to see this accomplished in my lifetime right um, and well that was the thing i was i was thinking that it i was thinking that it i mean i was thinking it had to be accomplished prior to my lifetime and continually accomplished that there was always going to be unity right and it's just that less people are in that union than yeah. I thought. And to an extent, that prayer could even be a basis then for things like infallibility in that, in that like, yeah. because Christ has prayed for the unity of the church, it is kind of like a promise that he will guarantee it. But then you look at the Catholic church and you're like, yo, there's a lot of, we've got some, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've, I'm well, seeing some disagreements. The reason that we have the Pope as the sign of unity, right? The the reason that the right. Petrine office exists, and it exists, we can say, in a certain way, independent of the man, Yeah. right? That there is such a thing as the papacy, is that's yeah. the sign of unity. And so to right. be united with, with the Pope, um, even if you don't especially like uh, one Pope or another over the course of your no, lifetime, yeah. right? That the 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 papacy itself is a sign of unity. The episcopacy is a sign of unity. The, the 
the sacramental life is a sign of unity. So there are all these indications right. that unity does, in fact, exist in the life of the Church. There are things that unite us in the profession of faith, things that unite us sacramentally, things that unite us juridically, that and I, I am part of this And I think you have to have body. all of those. You do, absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? If you look at, and, and I'm, I'm not intentionally picking on set of a Kantism. No, but we need we need all of those things. Um, and a pause. we could you could say the same thing as you could say the same thing to um, to to Protestants, right? Um, that I want I want there to be unity. Um, and and it doesn't have to be that there's there's a lack of, of unity there um, or that their yeah. way of doing things is is completely wrong. It's just that the will of God for us is that that unity. So then, what we have to understand is that that unity is something that is eternal. It, that's that's going to be the thing in the end. When yeah. the church ceases to be on earth because the earth ceases to be, right? That's when we're going to see like the full the full, the the full flowering of that unity. Right. Uh, right. A little hard to say. <laughs> but like, but yeah, I I get you. And we have I to get become, you that we have to be comfortable with with not needing to see that unity right now, like exclusively in our lifetime, without ever thinking that that gives us the excuse to not work for it. Right, and it's the same deal of like Christ says, "Be perfect, like my Father in heaven is perfect." And it's like, well, you're not going to achieve that here. Right. You will exactly. not be perfect, right? But that doesn't give you the excuse to not work for perfection, because that's basically what it is. It's the command to, again, friend of the show, Doctor Scott Hahn. Uncle Scott, um, one day he'll listen to these and find out that I think he's my uncle. Um, <laughs> he says that that is a call to maturation. Yeah. You know, and, and in the eschaton, it will be fulfilled, right? That's we right. will have that perfection in the eschaton. But I think that's a good way to read, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is this a, is this a hermeneutic? The hermeneutic, of, the hermeneutic of effort toward the eschaton right, for the gospel of John. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like understanding there are going to be, and I, I mean, I think, I think like be perfect like your father is perfect. I think that's in, that's in Matthew, I think. Yeah. Right. Well, so it, it shouldn't, maybe it's, maybe it's a whole thing, you know? I think that John has throughout reference to the end, reference to the ultimate end of humanity, the ultimate end I of mean, the heck, world. I mean, heck, we think he wrote the apocalypse, right? Right. <laughs> So everything, everything that we're going to read in John is going to point us in some way to, to the eschaton, to the end of the world, to the end of all things, and the, the final summation of all things in the heavenly kingdom, right? Yeah. So everything does have to have that, that outlook. You're right. That's one of the hermeneutical keys for interpreting and understanding John, is that John's right. not talking exclusively about this life, about this world. And that world. makes sense. He's, I mean, there's a reason they, he's the, he is, uh, is it, he's the heavenly gospel? What is it? You know what I'm talking about? It's the eagle. The eagle flies up to heaven. Right, right, right. But but what's the what's the phrase? You know what I'm I talking don't about? Know. I That's don't know. all right. But but it's that idea, right? It's that it's not it's not exclusively grounded, you know, which doesn't mean it's not historical. It just means yeah. that it also it also brings the soul up. And if it's gonna bring the soul up, not that the others don't, <laughs> right? But if it's gonna if if that's gonna be the the particular feature, it makes sense that we would be looking towards the eschaton. Yeah. Right. That makes that makes perfect sense. Exactly. You're a genius. Look, uncrustables will do that to you. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna make a joke about how, how what you know if everything points to the eschaton, what is what is uncrustables doing? 
Well, I mean, I think they, I think they remain in the digestive tract until <laughs> until the day of the coming of the Lord. I think that's really what it is. Right. It's like those things when, just when sit you, inside of you forever and ever. You know, yeah, if you the die ages of ages, and and hopefully become a saint, right? And I have great keep, hope. Not for nothing. Yeah. It's, it's all the Uncrustables I've eaten in my life that will preserve me right, so right. that I'll look like I'm incorrupt. Even though I know, like, I know. Yeah, no embalming. It's the, just I ate know, a lot of Uncrustables. How, do you know how some uh, some saints that are incorrupt have like the scent of flowers? <laughs> yeah, I just like smell like peanut butter and jelly all the time. and like <laughs> Peanut butter, jelly, and is that ice crystals? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. my cold frozen heart no no <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> anyway well, hey man was, i know you've got to go do some fun. studying and get ready for for class tomorrow yeah uh for all that summer vacation stuff it's not summer vacation yeah that's for sure man. and and to the listeners uh you know feel free to hit us up hit us on instagram email us you do know we have an email address now I have an email address through Veritas, yeah. Oh, is that like so you posted can email on, our, me. on our on our Instagram or anything? Like yeah, I'll that? put it on the Instagram. I'm not oh going to put it on the radio. Um, you should make one that's or just maybe the I tangent. Will one day. I'll just have to think about it. Veritas or something like that. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so hit us up, and we are open to guest topic suggestions, and also correcting me when I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For the Tangent on Veritas Catholic Network, I'm Father Sam Kajuba. I am Matthew Sparaza. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to further support The Tangent, please consider subscribing or following on your preferred platform, following us at the Tangent underscore Catholic on Instagram, or even donating at VeritasCatholic.com. Thank you for all your support. God bless.